0: Welcome to episode thirty of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that wears a mask under the nose, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by the glorious protector herself, Emma. How are you doing this week?
1: Yeah, I'm doing okay, all things considered, considering there's a new strain of COVID in England mm. and lockdown is just terrible and everyone's just had enough. Yeah, it's pretty rough but I'm just burying my head in like writing and trying to keep busy and you know do, do the good thing and stay at home and be introverted, which is starting to become difficult after, what, nearly a year now? Yeah. So, yeah, it is tough. Um, in terms of Magic, I haven't done a huge amount because I've been really busy with the writing, but I did manage to play some more Teamer cube. I managed to sprint the twin off a couple of times, so that was kind of fun. Oof, uh. gross. <laughs> You'd like that cube because <laughs> it's very combo-focused, so there's lots of like Storm, lots of Twin... You know, tinker style decks. It's, it's like a very combo focused deck. It's really, really fun. Um, you had
0: me, you had me at storm, and then you you pushed me away with twins. So <laughs> I'm I'm unsure now.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, that that was great. I also managed to finish safi and Hands EDH. I got the last few nice. pieces of that turning up, so that was good fun. But excited to play that when I have the time, and it's yeah. all it's all Christmas and snow and and bling themed. You know, to go because it's you know a Naya, so it's very festive. As for content, uh, this week's article is about something that you and I talk about on the cast on and off. It's just budget bling. Mm. Given, you know, how are reprinting everything into the ground with like extended arts, foils, showcase mm. frames and so forth, yeah. just makes cards really, really cheap. And, you know, in some cases, these cards are cheaper than the actual normal borders. So on a budget you can definitely bling up like your commander decks and your modern decks and you know I, I go over commander this week and it's a nice change of pace i haven't written about commander for a little while so it's a pretty nice yeah. one how about you
0: yeah yeah i'm doing well enough um i'd love to give you some great and exciting news but the truth is i have left the apartment a whole two times this week uh, once just to go to the shop for milk and then once for a cycle just to stay sane So, COVID figures are still quite high over here, so I'm doing my bit by acting like an introvert, which is utter torture for me, but it's got to be done. In terms of magic news for me this week, I've actually found a new channel on YouTube called Pauper MTG. It's basically, it's a few Japanese guys just playing paper pauper games. Their production quality is really, really good. They've got really good lighting. There's no glare on the cards. Everything is super clear And despite the fact that they're only speaking Japanese on the channel, they label everything so clearly that, like, any non-Japanese speaker can easily understand what's going on and can really enjoy it. It's got, like, some chill hop, like, beats to play pop or two in the background, and it's just so relaxing. It's almost like ASMR, but just magic games. It's just so nice. I'll leave a link in in the show notes and in the show description for their channel, because I've actually watched about 12 hours of their stuff in the last few days. Wow. I've... Yeah, I've I've just binged and I'm I'm afraid of running out of content at this point really. So
1: <laughs> I do like how it's um essentially like lo-fi beats but magic.
0: Yeah. It's perfect. Like, <laughs> that's that's just combination of two of my favourite things. Mm. I uh, ten out of ten. Um, but speaking of popper, I've also finished Blue White Familiars in paper Ooh. and I'm terrible at the deck. It's very complicated. And it's really fun though. You know, mm. you're just getting spell discounts and flickering things and all sorts of dumb shenanigans, infinite mill, infinite life, all sorts of stupid stuff. But I'm looking forward to playing that in some of the mini events that happen on the Irish Magic Discord every week. So also when Popper, I've just bought the pieces to change mono black control into corrupt control for a mm. little change of pace. So uh-huh. going less on the creatures and more on sign and bloods and that kind of thing and then being able to recoup the life loss with stuff like corrupt or tendrils of corruption. And I've also ordered the final few bits for mono white heroic. Because despite the fact that it is absolutely not my kind of deck, it's always good to have one deck that requires just minimal thinking and maximum smashing. Yeah, it's you're just, speaking my language, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of content that I've done this week, this week's article is actually about five different commanders from Cal Time and different takes on how to build them on a budget. So there are a ton of fantastic and flexible generals in the set. If you haven't noticed, there's over 30 of them and they're pretty much all amazing. Mm. I tried to pick some of the more fun options and I'm particularly excited by Orvar the all form because I won't go into detail here. Just check out the article because I do go in depth on a new strategy that I have discovered with Orvar that I'm calling clone slinger. (laughs) So if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does, but yeah. nice. Another thing as well to follow up from last week, I had a Scott Stonks. Um, Now, while I'm not always keeping up on the best deals and stuff, I do like to highlight cards here and there that I just think are neat. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to try this. I hope I have enough cards to keep this going for a while. (laughs) But I'm going with Scott's card of the week, right? And my card of the week this week is Mass Polymorph. Okay, this is aimed primarily at Commander. So, Mass Polymorph is five and a blue for a sorcery. You exile all creatures you control and then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal that many creature cards. You put them all that are revealed onto the battlefield and you shuffle the rest of the reveal cards into your library. So it does exactly what it says in the tin. It's polymorph only for everything that you own. This card is insane. So first of all, if you you could just put this in like a normal EDH deck with loads of good ETB triggers or whatever and have a bunch of creatures out. And then you just go six mana, insane burst of value, get like six or seven new creatures, get a ton of ETBs, refill my hand kill a bunch of stuff whatever it is but the place that I use it is I had the if you remember I talked about it before my Talrand Sky Summoner deck yeah this was the main win condition in it because I would play Talrand I would you know counter a couple of things draw some cards make some drakes and then I'll just cast this but the only other creatures that are in my deck were Peregrine Drake Dead and Archaeomancer. so I immediately got infinite mana I returned all the cards from my graveyard to my hand and then I recast Talrand. I played all those cards to redraw my entire deck. Then play the one extra turn spell that's in there. And then attack with and kill everybody with my arbitrarily large army. It was an awesome win condition. It was that so, so cool. Just
1: gross, but fun. Kind of like
0: a one card combo, sort of. Yeah. It was really cool.
1: That sounds sweet. Yeah, that seems really fun. Yeah,
0: it's gross. If you have anything that can run those creatures and very few others, I would highly recommend it as an excellent way to just it's six mana, tutor up all your win conditions, basically. Huh. Or all your combo pieces.
1: What's not to love?
0: If you enjoy the BMcast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and decklists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budgetmagiccast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so this week we are back talking about Time Surprise, surprise. The set hasn't even come out yet. That's how early these preview seasons and stuff are starting now. So we're still talking about stuff that we haven't got yet. Yeah. But that's fine because there's loads to talk about because Time is sweet. It's really uh, sweet.
1: Yeah, it looks really good.
0: Yes. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about some of the cards that have sort of slipped through the net while we were talking in the last couple of episodes and see where they'll sort of sit in Magic in general, not just one particular format or anything, but just overall. We're going to split them into two piles. We're going to talk about impactful cards and then the more fun cards. So why don't you start us off, Emma? What is the first impactful card that you think is in Caltime?
1: So, this is one I've had my eye on for a little while. So, because Kaldheim is a snow set, so there's snowlands and snow permanents and so forth, mm-hmm. there was a lot of talk, especially when Gavin Behe mentioned it a while back, that there is going to be a snow hate card in Kaldheim. Because if you play like modern, for example, in Legacy, you kind of get that the snow aspect is pretty much free. There's no downside to it. You get this upside mm-hmm. by just running these snowlands. So, with Kaldheim on the way, there is a snow hoser. Or a snoza, as I like to call it, and it's in the form of a god called Raidan, the god of the worthy. So for free mana, so that's two generic and a white, you get a you get a god creature that is a two free with flying and vigilance. And it reads Snowlands your opponent's control, enter the battlefield tat. Non-creature spells your opponents cast for convert mana cost four or greater, cost two more to cast. And then it does flip over into a weapon uh, called Valchemy the Protector's Shield which is four mana a legendary artifact if a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you or opponent you control you prevent one of that damage whenever you or another permanent you control becomes the target of a spell of ability an opponent controls counter that ability unless the controller pays one Mm. you're probably not going to play the flip side because it's not that exciting however the the snow side might be interesting um, especially for formats like standard and historic so When this got previewed, a lot of people were kicking off about it because I think they had the expectation that it was going to be uh, for, like, modern and legacy application, which I don't think was ever going to be the case just because you don't want modern and legacy power cards in a standard set. That doesn't make sense. Hmm. However, what I do think is they missed the opportunity with Modern Horizons 1, where you saw, you know, there was snow in the set. It was a very big thing. They could have easily accommodated a snow hoser of that power level for those formats i think it'll be good in like standard and historic but i think everyone was really having high expectations because they wanted like a choke or a boil for snow permanence and putting that to standard is incredibly oppressive and it was never going to happen sometimes cards slip through the cracks so like veil of summer is a good example of that and i don't think watsi understood how good that card was going to be but yeah this card i think this card's good for like standard it gives you an option to hate on snow cards um it's It's got a bit of tension with that like and Ramirez, so I'm not sure where it's going to go, but you have the option to have one if you anticipate a load of snow for whatever reason.
0: Okay. I actually think it will have a pretty reasonable impact in modern, to be honest. Sure. The reason that I think it is not because of the snow part at all. In fact, I'm just seeing the snow part personally as like an incidental thing. Mm. You know, sometimes people will be playing snow basics and they'll get hosed or whatever in modern and whatever about that. But the last ability on her, the non-creature spells your opponent's cast with converted mana cost four or more, cost two more to cast. I really think a lot of people are sleeping on this. Like, they're they're looking at it and going, ah, oh, like, that's that's very restrictive or whichever. But say, like, if your Tron opponent is trying to cast a nougan, they can't, mm. you know, for, like, at least another turn. Or if your opponent tries to cryptic on turn four, they just can't. Um, there, there are definitely big applications to it and the backside is pretty good when it comes to like having a multiples to be fine because the backside would be pretty good in terms of like more mid-range or uh, creature based matchups as mm-hmm. well because imagine putting down the shield against say like mono red in modern you know and they're trying to lava dart stuff and you're like mm, prevent one of that damage no mm-hmm. counter yeah. that unless you pay one I think there's enough niche applications that this would actually be very, very good. It's only good in sort of niche applications though. Mm. And I think that's why people are sleeping on it. There's no like immediately obvious like, oh, this ruins this deck or Mm. it really supercharges this deck. I think it just has enough incidental utility in most matchups that it's probably going to have some effect in say like taxes decks or that kind of thing. Or like the green, white, heliod decks and that kind of thing. Mm. I think I could definitely see her in there as a one-off just to be able to tutor up at some point. I'm not saying that she's going to change modern or anything like that, but I definitely think she's going to show up and pull more than the weight that people think she can pull. Mm. But time will tell, I guess.
1: Yeah. I'm happy to be proven wrong.
0: Next up, we have Bergie, God of Storytelling. Storm Mommy is here. <laughs>
1: You're so excited Storm for this one, Storm <laughs> Mommy
0: is here. I'm so stupidly excited for her. She is so cool. She's an absolute badass. Before I go into it, let's just go over the card. So Burgie God of Storytelling, is two and a red for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature, God. And I honestly never thought I would say this. First ability on a card ever that was a real magic card. Whenever you cast a spell, you add one red mana. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. And then the other ability is creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once. So I'm clearly not that interested in the second part. It's very much the first ability. But being a modal dual face card in Cal time and being a god, Bergy has a backside. And the backside of Bergy says, Harnfell Horn of Bounty is the name. It's four and a red for a legendary artifact. And you can discard a card to exile the top two cards of your library. And you may play those cards this turn. So this is insane. This is absolutely insane. Absolutely Mm. ridiculous. And the reason that I say that is not necessarily to have like some sort of new ridiculous storm deck that's going to be like tier one or anything like that. But Mono Red Storm is now actually potentially really viable in modern. Mm. I never thought I'd say that. I put up a list on here before about playing Mono Red Storm and how it was like a budget deck. It only came in at about like $120 or whatever. And the most expensive card in it was Reforged the Soul. Now, that deck is looking like it's going to be a real thing, because the problem with it before was it relied so heavily on Runaway Steamkin in order to make sure that you have enough mana generation. So, you look at storm, for example. They have Goblin Electromancer and Boral Chief of Compliance. They can have up to eight mana reducers, but Mana Red only had four in the form of Steamkin. So, if you didn't find them in a colour that's already not got very good cantrips like Blue does, you're going to have a hard time. But now we can get four Burgie into here as well. Now, yes, I know she's three mana and I know she dies to Bolt, but you can make the same argument about dying to Bolt to Goblin Electromancer and Boral, and Storm is still fantastic, so mm. everybody shut up. I know, whatever. <laughs> but, but, right? She's great in multiples. She's mm. great in multiples in this kind of deck because all you need to do is just have Bergie. you know, cast your Manamorphoses and your couple of your, like, cathartic reunions and that kind of thing to churn through. And what happens if you draw another one and you've got some spare mana? You just play the horn side of it. Because then if you start getting into some pockets of dead cards or like, you know, like a second copy of Passing Flames or like another Pyromancer essentially you don't need or something or some lands, you can just discard them to exile two more cards and just keep the combo train running. So this is absolutely exactly what a deck like Mono Red Storm needed. Mm. It's so, so good. And because it's Mono Red, it doesn't care about Blood Moon. And I know Storm generally doesn't really care too much about Blood Moon, but because of the way this one is built, the list that I have, which is going to be in the show notes, this runs Simeon Spirit Guide and a bunch of rituals. So if you really wanted to, you could do the, the Turn 1 Blood Moon with the Exile Simeon Spirit Guide, play a Pyretic Ritual, and then play a Blood Moon, mm. if you're lucky. Now, I'm not saying like that's what you need to rely on in post-board, but you can definitely do it, and you can easily get a Turn 2 Moon because you have a bunch of rituals. Yeah. So you can very, very easily get to it. Outside of Storm, I'm less excited. I mean, she's probably good in other mid-range decks, maybe as far back as Pioneer, as like a value piece, something along those lines. I can definitely see that sort of working as well. Or maybe just have Bergy and Runaway Steamkin together in like a red-black mid-range deck or something like that. So you could just sort of double spell quicker.
1: I was thinking you could probably do a Bergie deck with like light up the stages of Lava Darts, maybe. That could work too. Yeah, like yeah. a, like a, just an incidental way just to gain mana because Lava Darts... Pretty much free when you flashback it. That can net you some mana. And maybe there's like a, not quite aggro, but almost mid range, just like mono red with stuff like stinking. And it's a little bit slower to prowess, but it just allows you to snowball and just get all this extra mana to play like magmatic channelers and stuff like that.
0: Thinking of it now, Bergie might just go into mono red anyway, because she's three mana, so still fits the Obash plan. Mm. You could put one or two of her in, and then later in the game, you just get the back half. Which is, discard a card, light up the stage. Yeah. That is actually really good, yeah. Okay, I'm liking Bergie even more, <laughs> somehow. It
1: sounds like I need to make a prowess Bergy-less.
0: Yes, this sounds great.
1: Also, I think Bergy's going to be very good in Commander as well. As a side note, I think she's a great mono-red Commander.
0: Oh, if I had to build a mono-red deck now, it would be Bergy Storm. Yeah. Absolutely Bergy Storm, yeah. And what's great about this, unlike Steamkin, I'm going to stop now in a second, unlike Steamkin, <laughs> whenever you cast a spell, you add one red mana. Oh. So it's not restricted to just red spells, and you don't have to just cast three. That's immense. That's so good.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's good with stuff like Mistress Bauble as well.
0: That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> Mistress Bauble now becomes Ritual. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> or when you cast like a Chromatic Star, it's mm. basically zero mana. And then you can just crack it and draw immediately. So with her uh, Chromatic Star and Chromatic Sphere are one mana cantrips. Which is pretty good.
1: It's very good. Hmm. I feel like this in has got to happen with Bergie.
0: Oh, I've brewed like six lists sorry. I'm going to put the one that I'm most confident with in the, in the show notes, though. The, the rest sure. need a bit of refinement, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think I've gushed enough about, Bergie. Let's move on. What, what have we got next, Emma?
1: So what we've got next is one a lot of people have been talking about, uh, which is Bind the Monster. So Bind the Monster mm. is a one-mana enchantment aura in blue. Uh, so it reads, mm-hmm. Enchant Creature. When Bind the Monster enters the battlefield, tap Enchantment Creature it deals damage to you equal to its power. Enchanted Creature doesn't tap during its controller untapped untap step. So what makes this really, really exciting is that it's a one-mana removal spell in blue, which we haven't had yet. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of talk that it's, you know, the blue lightning bolt or the blue path to exile just because it's so cheap and so efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a common, which might be relevant in Pauper. I'm not sure how it would see play in Pauper, but the fact is a common is quite, yeah. quite important as well. It's almost like a blue dismember, right? It's just only worse in in most cases. But I'm quite excited for this card because it seems to be really good in like Death Shadow decks.
0: Yeah, Death Shadow definitely seems to be the one that is most excited by something like this. Yeah,
1: yeah, like Grixis Death Shadow just I think plays this because it, it it just seems so good. <laughs> it's a great way to get your life mm. total down.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. There are some decks that probably don't want it. Storm and stuff would rather kill instead of tap Italia, but
1: I think I think if you are strictly in blue, you just run this as like there's like, it's even a fine sideboard option, right? Given especially in like modern it runs on an axis where you get your life total down anyway, because you run like fetches and shocks. Yeah. Like you could see something like Murph run this, for example, in the sideboard just to have a way to deal with threats that is probably in more cases probably kinder than Dismember compared to compared to this. So mm. But if, you, if you're if you in a second color, like white or red, you just run, or black, you just run the main spells. But this is just a really good budget option if you're strictly in blue and you need a way to deal with threats.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. It might actually be interesting in Pioneer, in like the mono blue devotion lists, because it does add a pip of blue.
1: I'm quite excited to try like mono blue tempo in Pioneer. I don't know if it'll be any good, but I want to try it because I really miss the old standard deck
0: i I have it I have it built that's my default go to in case somehow for some crazy reason someone has decided to play some pioneer <laughs> i can i can pay I can take part because it's literally just blue cards that I don't ever want to get rid of because mm. I adored that standard deck, my favorite standard deck of all time, and yeah i'm like they're just sitting there like I just put them in sleeves and they're it's ready to go. I love it yeah no
1: this is this is a good one it's definitely a good budget option as i said if you're in blue and you just want some removal this is a really good way without running stuff like bounce spells it just permanently deals with the threat in question
0: yeah 100 percent.
1: so the next one is a one that a lot of people have been talking about i'm kind of excited for this one myself to be honest yes
0: yes we're talking about doomscar doomscar is three white white for a sorcery destroy all creatures but scott that's not particularly fantastic what are you talking about You know, Cleansing Nova does better. The thing is, this has Foretell for one white white. So we haven't talked about Foretell this episode. So I'll just go through the rule stacks once here. So during your turn, you may pay two generic mana and exile this card from your hand face down. Cast it on a later turn for its Foretell cost. So you can Foretell something on turn two, say Doomscar. And then on turn three, you can Foretell it for one white white. So this is a full-on proper Wrath of God that you can have on turn three provided you don't do anything on turn two it seems pretty good like i would say this is one of the best rats in a very very long time
1: i think the last time was supreme verdict i want to say that's how far we're going and what return to ravnica was like 2012 2011 2012 ish so what it's been like nine years
0: yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's very very strong i still think supreme verdict is stronger but it's very very good you know like there are some formats that definitely need a turn three rat at this I point.
1: I think this is going to be very big in standard. I think a lot of, especially like your blue-white oh, control decks, is going to be enormous because the format is just so creature-focused at the moment, and this just gives those control decks a, a lifeline. And I think it's going to sh- absolutely shape up standard. Mm-hmm. I think in pioneer it's fine, but I agree with you. Supreme Verdict is better, and in modern you can play it, but board wipes aren't really good in modern at the moment, just because there's a lot of like oops or spells and hyper aggressive decks. And like mm-hmm. you can play this on turn three, which can buy you a lifeline, but it might just be a little too slow. However, it is a really good budget option on something like Wrath of God or Supreme Verdict if you want some board wipes for like blue white control, for example.
0: Yeah, yeah. Unless the can't be regenerated clause is that important to you, which anymore there are so few creatures that that actually matters with anymore that you'd be forgiven for just disregarding it entirely basically yeah for example i have my monowhite white martyr proc here i'm going to be putting Doomscar in because it's just good like if i've nothing great to do on turn two and in a deck like that you don't really like you're just kind of, you're going to do what like play a couple of one drops or something like not a big deal mm. you can just foretell that and then just have it sitting there later and it can't be thought seized I th- which I think is critical. And then when you do need it, it's cheaper. That kind of thing, in that kind of deck, perfect. But it is worth noting that it is significantly worse than Wrath of God if you top deck it on turn four and then can't cast it. Yeah. But yeah. Similarly, like I said, you have to spend turn two doing absolutely nothing because you need to foretell in order to actually cast this on turn three. So if you want to actually be doing things in addition to Wrathing the board, then this is probably not a great choice. So, yeah, but at the same time, even if you don't foretell it, like paying 5 for a rat is still fine. Like, yeah. I don't care what people say where where they're like, "Oh, modern is like you, a 5-mana rat literally can never be cast." And like, have you seen modern lately? Like people are yeah. sitting out there with like 18 lands and like staring each other down with a board of zombies. Like, you can cast a 5-mana rat. Oh. Come on. It's fine.
1: <laughs> they're going to make the zombies back anyway, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> mini rant over <laughs> but yeah Doom's card's great absolutely great thankfully it is in a nice abundant set where it's going to be printed like crazy and it's going to be real cheap highly yep. recommend picking it up it's only at rare 10 out of 10
1: yeah agreed
0: all right so they are the ones that we skipped over in the last couple of weeks or that had come out a little bit later than the episodes when we were recording that we think are going to have a big impact now we have the fun cards These are the ones I'm most excited about. And Emma, you have a legendary creature down here.
1: I do. I think this is like my favorite legendary in the set. I know you said you had yours earlier. I think this one's mine. And that's Smell of the Ice Shaper. So for one generic, a red and a green, you get a legendary snow creature who happens to be a troll warrior, which is a great creature typing, by the way. Mm -hmm. And the ability reads, so you pay free and tap, create a colorless snow artifact token named Icy Manolith. with tap, add one mana of any color seems pretty good Mm -hmm. and then it has a second ability where you pay six generic a red and a green then you tap look at the top four cards of your library you may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost put the rest on the bottom of your library in any random order and it's also a two four which is a pretty good set line so i'm thinking about commander for this one Mm -hmm. this just seems really really like a fun build around especially when you have you know like loads of token doublers in the formats of stuff like doubling season and parallel eyes even if you're in Naya you can run anointed procession and the third mm-hmm. can just make its own mana rocks that are essentially um, you know like commander spheres it just seems really really good and it lines up really well if you run all like the snow stuff so like into the north and scred. it all lines yeah. up really well it just seems a really really fun build around and you, you can ramp and then you can use that ramp to pay for the second ability as well it's just it's just a neat little package
0: yeah it's cool it's really cool this is the kind of deck that I would be terrible at building personally, because the abilities are a little confusing for my brain, if that makes sense. Because Svella by themselves, like you said, make ramp. So therefore, do I have less ramp in the deck as normal or do I not? And like, I know the default answer should just be no, have the same amount of ramp as normal. Like, obviously you want to activate an eight mana ability here Mm -hmm. but I still think about that and then with the eight mana activated ability how hard do you want to lean on that because if so you're going to have to put in an awful lot of either absolutely huge scary chonkers to be able to be hit often enough by looking at the top four out of your 90 or whatever cards that are left or some form of library manipulation where you can put something on top or whatever yeah. and in green and red there's not a whole lot of it so you have to try and i don't know it just seems really odd to me it's sweet it's really really sweet it's not the kind of deck that i could build myself i don't think well to any kind of reasonable effect mm. i'd say but i'm really yeah, tempted really to try
1: awesome. i'm really tempted to try and make a poor pdh deck around this and run yes. stuff like ulamog's crusher and that sort of stuff at the top end and then you can just reveal it off the top that Might sounds quite good. Fun. Just like big fat growl monsters with a little bit of ramp, and you know, you gotta be careful with your land count because you can't cast the lands off the ability. But yeah. I still think it would be pretty sweet. There must be a way to make Svela untap and then do it again. I feel like there's, I feel like there's something there.
0: Probably is, yeah, yeah. I would say what would be really cool in Poppy H with Svela would be stuff like Tuk Tuk Rubble Fort and Crashing Drawbridge to be able to yeah. give your creatures haste. Yes. Mm, that would be beautiful. <laughs> so you just pay six, tap, and then like reveal like that, like an Eldrazi Devastator or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, go to combat, break your face.
1: Or oh, actually, yeah. you pay Svela's ability to reveal it and you reveal a Colossal Dreadmoor. That's winning right there.
0: That is flavor and combat win right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have your big dumb creature, the big dumb great creature. I say dumb in a good way. This is yeah. like like dummy thick. But mine... Uh, mine is a, a little bit of a slimmed down kind of thing, my next card, and that is Dual Strike. I don't know how people have not been talking about this, because this is insane. This is so good. This hmm. is so, so powerful. So, Dual Strike, for anyone that can't remember it, because apparently no one can remember it, it's red red for an instant, and it says, whenever you cast your next instant or sorcery spell with convert amount of cost four or less this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Now, that's just a spell copy effect. That's not that big of a deal. However, it has foretell for a red. So again, you may pay two generic and exile this card from your hand face down and then cast it on a later turn for its foretell cost. So you can just say in commander on turn two, just uh, foretell this, you know, whatever, pass turn, no big deal. Or, you know, even turn one, Sol Ring, foretell this, pass. You know, you're definitely going to be the enemy at the table there, but at least you've got some tools to deal with it. Mm. This is just sweet. So the first thing that I'm sure people are going to look at on this is the CMC restriction and be like, oh, but it's four or less that you can copy and that's all. But that's absolutely fine. If it was three or less, I'd be like, well, hmm, okay, it's getting a bit restrictive. But most of the time, if you're looking to copy spells, like you're not going to be casting like an 8 mana spell and trying to copy that because then you need 10 mana and like that's a lot to get to
1: mm. yeah so a lot of like the, the powerful instance in mm. commander that people play like removal and counter spells they're under full mana anyway so I think full mana is just like a good baseline because yeah. I don't think you're ever going to need more than that and this is just like a great sort of wild ricochet effect which I'm, I'm a big fan of I really like that card so mm-hmm. this, this is a nice tribute to it
0: yeah so this this will be awesome in commander especially in the likes of spellslinger decks but the foretell makes it insane mm. because, like I said, you can set it up and then for a single red mana at any point, you can just go, uh, I'm going to copy the next spell. And then, like, you know, do something dumb, like even even something super, super simple, like divination is just three mana, draw four and eight. Like, that's insane. Or two mana double path you know like that's so there's so many different things you can do it's mm. so good
1: yes one to keep an eye out on for sure so the next one is one scott talked about on twitter a little while back there's also one i'm I'm a fan of which is giant ox so for a generic and a white you get a creature ox and it reads so it's an 06 for a start giant ox cruise vehicle is using its toughness rather than its power so it's like an assault formation but for vehicles this is mm-hmm. going to be really really fun like I'm kind of gutted I can't play this in limited because I want to build a limited deck around giant yeah. oxen vehicles yeah. it's, a, it's a common so I'm really tempted to do something in purple with it as well um, but <laughs> as you tweeted a little while back it pairs up really well with Consulate Dreadnought from yeah. uh, Kaladesh <laughs> which is a one mana 7-11 vehicle and it's got a crew 6 so the, the ox can crew it straight away and then you can just kill them and it's like wonderful <laughs>
0: Yeah. I started Magic back in Amoket, right? So not not all that long ago. Like, I'm still wet behind the ears as far as most people are concerned, where they're like, I've been playing for 7,000 years and I have Beta Lotus, I swear. It's in my girlfriend's house. She lives in another country. But whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't know where that was going. I have no idea, but I'm keeping it. Whatever. Uh- <laughs> Uh, Constable Dreadnought, I saw this, I was like, it's one mana, it's a 7 We're gonna have to find a way to break this. And I swear, I tried so many different things. There was an enchantment that was in, was it Ether Revolt? Where you enchant a vehicle and it becomes an artifact creature. Like, yes. it basically never needs crewing anymore and stuff. And I tried to use that kind of stuff. Like, obviously janky as hell obviously janky as hell. But this seems reasonably legitimate. (laughs) Like, not great. Not great. Because it's easy enough to put in ways to find like Consulate Dreadnought and stuff, you know, like you can use, uh, like, board the Weatherlight and that kind of thing to try and dig to find it or whatever. But to find the ox in the first place is actually quite difficult because there's only a place out of them. So... It is still a little bit janky if there was, again, like with Bergie, if there was another four copies of this, I'd be like, well, this is, this is legit. But yeah, so like we even saw like Colossal Plow and stuff in here as well in this set and Council Dreadnought. Like there are big, dumb, dumb vehicles that we can find ways to abuse. And you were mentioned as well, like you can play cards like SRAM and everything so that every time you cast a vehicle, you could draw a card and that kind of thing. Mm. So there are value engines available. It's definitely a little janky for my tastes. No, like my tastes have sort of evolved a little bit, but I love it and I want to make it happen.
1: It's it's the kind of deck that if I rolled up to F and M and I was up against it, I would happily lose to it because it's oh, just yeah. so out there, right? And you can you can even run stuff like Heart of Kieran as well if you want some better mm-hmm. vehicles. Um, but no, I'm really tempted just to brew like a Mono White Farmyard slash <laughs> vehicle deck, but like standard or Pioneer just for a laugh. I say do it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be amusing.
0: Oh my god. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. My final card on the list is Fearless Pop. Mm. So Fearless Pop. One red mana for a 1-1 wolf with first strike. And it has boast. So boast is an ability that you can activate only if the creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. You can boast for 2 and a red. And Fearless pup gets plus 2 plus 0 until end of turn. This is just the perfect card. Okay. The stats are not what's important here. It's the card itself. If you haven't seen the card, go look up the card. It is the perfect card. Read the flavor text. Agree with me? It's perfect. Let's move on.
1: The and art that, is also adorable.
0: It is fifteen out of ten.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised you talked about a one-one that just has no abilities though. Like I'm, I'm not going to do anything with this card when I play it. I'm just going to just make sure it's never in harm. I think the only issue I have with the card is not an actual dog; it's a wolf, so it doesn't go well with the Dog Lord. Yeah. Because I, I would have loved more dog support so I can make my little doggy deck with, you know, the the dog lord from Core 21.
0: It's very obvious that whoever is pulling the trigger and making decisions in WotC is a cat person. Because the amount of cat lords and cats and cats and cats and cats. And then finally, <clears throat> someone in there has finally managed to push through and get the errata. So the hound is now dog. And that is something. But like, now, this is a wolf. Like i get the wolves and dogs are not the same thing but like come on it's a it's a fantasy card game come on <laughs> like it's not that big of a stretch
1: we should we should petition for the dog law to have an errata for wolves and dogs get plus one plus one
0: that would work too i would, that would take that too.
1: compromise but yes this mm-hmm. card's adorable check it out it's, yeah. it's it's really cute
0: 15 out of 10 okay so now that Caldheim is out entirely emma what are your thoughts
1: Set looks fantastic, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I'm quite. Ex- I'm like. I'm really gutted that I can't play it in limited because it looks really, really fun. There isn't anything that's notably busted. I said this last week, and it just feels a very low-powered set, and that feels very deliberate. And it's it's a refreshing change. Like I can appreciate mm-hmm. the the flavor. You know how they've done all the you know alt arts. Like the borders look really, really good on them as well. Yeah, it just seems a really sweet set, and there's a nice tribal sub theme, and the tribes don't seem really pushed. They all seem equal they all do different things mm-hmm. there's a lot of diversity and deck building options like, it seems a really really fun set and it's just nice change of pace how about
0: yeah. you I, I completely agree this set is awesome lower power level but not lower fun that is yeah. kind of how i want my average sander set to be you know like there are a bunch of cards in here that will absolutely see play in eternal formats we've gone through them but unlike things like theros and eldraine they will not define the formats themselves and that is critical. It's super, super important that when WotC release a new standard set, it doesn't just completely change the face of modern as we know it. Like, that is not feasible to keep up with for anyone. And especially considering the tiny, tiny, tiny rant here, but especially considering that I, the one thing that I found so funny was a couple of weeks ago, someone won the Mana Traders event that they had. It was a modern event and they won it with a deck that was too expensive for you to rent with the most expensive Mana Traders account. What? (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) It was over a thousand dollars. Like, over a thousand ticks. Like, 1,300 or 1,400 ticks or something to buy a deck on Magic Online. That's... No, that's ridiculous. Mm. And the reason for that, obviously, is because, you know, Arena is pulling users away from Magic Online and they're all playing on there instead. So therefore, fewer things are being opened on Magic Online, so they're more costly, and so on. But that's a whole mess that what, you need to find a way to fix themselves. But mm. yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Like every time a new yeah. set has come out in the last couple of months, bar this one, Modern has completely changed, and that's just mm. modern that we're talking about. Like most of the formats have completely changed as well.
1: Look what but- Ferros did to Pioneer. Like, yeah, Euro is still legal, but that wasn't the problem card in Pioneer. Like, it was it was Thassa's Oracle and Underworld breach. Like, it's amazing just to see this sort of impact, and you know, L still having an impact now. Like, mm. you have fair cards like Bonecrusher Giant, which is just a really good card. It's still going to see loads of play because, you know, Giants are a thing in Caldheim and it's going to see mm-hmm. lots of play. But yeah, that influence is just still very much there, isn't it? And it's, I'm just relieved Caldheim's not going to have the same legacy, you know?
0: Absolutely, because I'm I'm tired of seeing like, new set comes out. Oh, Uro's now the best thing to do in Modern. New set comes out. Oh, Uro, but also on that. You know, like, I'm so glad that I didn't see any card from this set so far. Hopefully we didn't miss anything egregious, but I don't think we did. Mm. That we're not just going to rock up and be like, well, what form of money pile have we got for the next three months to face now in modern? You know, so at least we don't have that to worry about. But
1: yeah. We'll, it's we'll nice. See.
0: It is nice I, don't, nice. I don't
1: feel like a sense of dread. It's, it's a nice feeling.
0: Hmm. Yeah. All right. So do we have any Q&A? Emma? We do.
1: So we have a Q&A from our resident listener, Evie the Mage they highly inform us that uh, for commander Mm. players, so even world Hydra is a really, really powerful card in commander. If you play like big green dumb decks and you like Hydras, this is really good because it, it gets power for the amount of lands you control and playing lands decks in commander is quite a popular strategy. Um, And so, even old Hydra is $5 for both the Jumpstart and the Shadows Over Innistrad version. From a mythic for an old set, this is a really good rate. And if you just want to play that big, dumb, green creature, especially off a Svella activated ability, for example, this is a really good mm. one to choose. Um, so yeah, it's like $5 on SCG and TCG, so it's a good rate. So they also ask a question. That said, should primetime be banned in Modern? Do you think the Hydra could replace it if that was the case in Balakut and Field decks?
0: My opinion is Prime Time is perfectly fine. Yeah. It is perfectly fine for modern. It is very powerful, but it's perfectly fine. The problem that I personally have with Primetime at the moment is Field of the Dead, because you know, you're you're seeing it in, in the likes of okay, mo- the likes of Money Pile and stuff are definitely contributing to this as well, but like more fair mid range decks like Jund and stuff basically just don't exist anymore. You either have to be way more aggressively slanted or way more, not even controlling. You just need to go way over the top of everybody. And that's how Primetime does it, is they go way over the top with either the Valakud Dryad Kill or Field of the Dead, make 8 billion zombies, you're going to have to deal with my land, and then also my creatures, and then this, that, and the other. We've seen it play out a thousand times, Pioneer, Standard, all sorts. Like, Mm. Field of the Dead is a mistake of a card. Agreed. And it's just, it's terrible. It's, it's absolutely terrible. It's one of the worst designs, I think, in a very, very long time. Um, as much as I loved it in my standard Gates deck, I have to say it is a terrible and egregious design choice. And no, I don't think primetime needs to be banned, is essentially my answer. Yeah. It doesn't need to be banned. The lands that enter the format or that are currently in the format are the things that you need to keep an eye on. because. Yeah. You, you should definitely allow people to play with the things that they enjoy playing with. Primetime is a good example. Fateless Looting is another good example. You know, and I, yes, of course I'm going to touch back on this, right? Because Fateless Looting, people loved it because it enabled so many different unique and cool and interesting decks. And if your argument is, but then Dredge is too strong, then ban Dredge. Ban Dredge. It, like, or something from it. Not entirely. Just, like, get rid of Stinkweed Imp or something. Or get rid of Life from the Loam so you can't have the Conflagrate kill. Like, something... But Fateless Looting by itself is a fun card that enables good strategy. Sorry, mini rant over again. No, Both- that's okay.
1: <laughs> no, I have to agree with you. I think primetime is absolutely fine in Modern. I think that in terms of like power level for win conditions, I think that is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do agree that stuff like Field of the Dead, I would actually put Mystic sanctuary in there as well, are just too good for Modern. Um, not that you'd play Mystic Century in the, like, these primetime Time decks, but the fact that what it's capable of with the, the density of instants and sorceries makes it far too good. I think my issue with field of the dead is a, it's not legendary. Mm-hmm. Secondly, why did the zombies come in untapped? Yeah. I think if the zombies came in tapped and it was legendary, it could probably, it'd probably be fine. And I think yeah. this also addresses another issue, right? That there isn't good land destruction spells. At, at like a lower mana cost. So like clangs and wildfires like the first in a long time, right? But, mm. They're not printing the land hate to complement these powerful lands because, you know, land destruction seems to come across as this really, really bad thing. But if someone's got like 20 million zombies from a field of the dead, what are you meant to do? It doesn't feel like there's quite the balance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with it as well is it's not even necessarily just a good land destruction, but it's the fact that if they get field of the dead out, if they time it properly, then... They've already got their value, you know, like mm. if they just play a prime time and then get two other lands, say like they get two field of the deads because their lands are already, you know, unique or whatever, and then they play them out. They get four zombies. So that's an additional eight power on the board. And then you have to deal with the two field of the deads or whatever. Mm. And then also the prime time which is going to attack and probably get another field of the dead or start killing you out with alakots and stuff and like it's just crazy it's absolutely I, crazy
1: I remember when Amulet Titan had to kill you with a son home and a slayer stronghold that feels so long ago <laughs>
0: It still happens, like, because they just run, like, 40 lands and whatever else, like, you know. This is
1: it. But no, I don't think Primetime should be banned. I think what you need to look at is Mystic Sanctuary, Field of the Dead, and Uro. I think they're the three that you need to look at for the health of Modern. Like, Modern's in a great spot, don't get me wrong. I think I'd like to see one or any of those cards banned just to preserve the health of the format.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The reason that I think Mystic Sanctuary is too good is not for the ability itself, but for the fact that it's fetchable. Yeah. That's my. the fact it's got problem. the
1: typing is yeah. like why
0: <laughs> yeah if that if that was just land and no mm. typing i'd be like this is fine no need to worry the fact that you could do it at instant speed and just put something back on top and then like repeatedly cryptic lock or whatever no terrible terrible, terrible. Yeah. i hate it gross get it out of here
1: okay so that was our mini run on on bannings and unbannings <laughs> yes
0: yes uh in terms of in terms of hydra itself in in modern like i suppose it's fine it's nowhere near as good, obviously, as, as Titan. If for some reason Primetime was banned, then I could see it maybe showing up. But to be honest, they would probably it would probably just turn into a dryad of the Elysian Grove deck
1: mm. that
0: just runs Scapeshift instead. Because it yeah. basically kind of does the same thing then. You yeah. know, you make like you play a scapeshift and with the dryad out, it's just gonna valicate you for like eighteen and make like 16 zombies or whatever it is like there's no losing at that point you know
1: this is it but and uh, even then like you can go into teamer and, and run uro if you really wanted to which some scapeshift decks have done because they run mm-hmm. stuff like cryptic command as well and it's just but, like you don't get punished for the bad mana it's really frustrating and mm-hmm. that's why these paths exist it's it's it doesn't make for good magic because everyone just plays the same sort of inherently powerful cards and it's just boring to watch
0: that's basically
1: it rant yep. over
0: Hunt over. Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons at the Cheering Fanatic. tier we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout five hundred three, Max Makes Magic, Odin Egan Philippe Delmot, the Jazz Guy, the Joe Cheney bradley rose stephanie face ian holland and the pauper guild and at the Stonks tier we have anga Orr, scott creech simon grip brian madden ryan collins nerblin and everett brogan thank you all so much for helping to keep this podcast on the air we can't thank you enough if you want to support us head on over to patreon.com forward slash if you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the theBMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.